everyone, this is Austin Matra. Welcome to another episode of the Dragon's Den podcast. Today, returning is Robert Jones, as per usual. Well, for you know Robert Jones, the co-host, maybe I'm very special guest. Do you want to introduce yourself, little special guest? Yeah, my name is Robert Samadarisi. I'm a senior in sport manager, and I, I live on Long Island, New York. As the MLB season has drawn to a close, we've started to enter postseason play. In the AL, we have Rangers against Rays and Twins against Blue Jays. Personally, I really thought the Rays and the Blue Jays would be able to walk all over the Rangers and Twins, but that was not the case. You have any insight for us, Rob? I mean, there was a little, a little iffy with the Rays. I mean, first they left Shane McKinnon in there anymore. They did have their starter Zach after bonus start. If you look at the Rangers, having Jordan Montgomery, seven innings, six hits, five Ks. Ex-Yankee legend. Ex-Yankee legend, Monzi. Eovaldi, too. Ex-Yankee legend. Eovaldi, six innings, six hits, eight Ks. It was a pretty dominant affair pitching-wise for the Rangers. Their offense also picked it up, having 21 days between two games. No league course here. Meanwhile, offenses could be second rudder and the and they on four for eight, two runs. I believe a full run was also in there. He was also a little underrated guy. I mean, Carter's. You went three, four in that series, one home run, the other very free defensive play in the outfield. What are you going to say on this series? I mean, I, I just feel like home field is a big, a big advantage in the playoffs for most sports, but Tampa only having 19,000 people there. I know, I know it was a day game, but well, I feel like they're defend- building a new stadium. That's true. Hopefully that'll be able to draw some new attendance. And if you want to hear more about that, go check out my solo episode of the podcast. But yeah, the Rays having only 19,000 people there is kind of crazy. I mean, even if I lived in Tampa and I didn't care about the Rangers or the Rays, I'd be going to that game. You know, it's playoff baseball for very cheap. Of course you'd want to go see that. So I'm not really aware of why they can't get people to the stadium for a playoff baseball game, but... Well, with their stadium, not even being in Tampa Bay, being in St. Petersburg, the stadiums are a 30, a 30 year forward, per se. It's also a very ugly stadium, very, not really too modernized. It's a very old scoreboard. Also, the fact that people complain about it's called bad parking is real. Also, the fact that there is raised the outfield, which I thought was pretty cool, but it's also under, I believe it was like gas or it was. Some sort of chemical flooding under that I remember here. If you do check out the last podcast, we did talk about their new stadium proposal. But that also could have been another factor. I mean, I really, once again, I thought the Rays were going to come in and sweep them with their dominant pitching. The Rays are one of those teams that, even if their team doesn't seem good, they somehow always seem to find wins in the postseason. They're one of those teams that's built for postseason success. I don't normally believe in that, but the Rays are one of those teams that even if you're the sixth seed or whatever, they always just seem to thrive in the postseason. Do you think the Texas Rangers are the dark horse in the playoffs? I think the Orioles, even though they're the one seed, are the dark horse. I was going to say, because, you know, after the club went down, I mean, they got Scherzer, right? They get Scherzer back. Maybe he returns to form. They're looking pretty good, but and they can make a run, but I believe they have to go to Texas now. 
No, they gone to probably. Oh, they go to Baltimore. They go to Baltimore. No, That'll be a good series. What I did like to say with they was they weren't even with their top ten pitchers. Well, Montgomery was in third pitcher. Gamboa was in fourth pitcher. I'm not pretty sure pitchers. I believe it. But if you see that there's three, four in the depth chart going off, that's a pretty good sign to go. This series. Also, the Ravens offense very underrated. Of course, the Garcia. Marcus Simeon, the name of you, Josh Jones, just came back in the I.O. It's a pretty good, pretty good team. Very good team. But that moves us on to Twins versus Blue Jays. Twins haven't had a lot of postseason success lately, notably going 0-18 in postseason play. But I thought that would continue. Apparently not. The Blue Jays did not bring their A game to target field. And there were some questionable decisions in that game too, wouldn't you say? Practically what we're talking about is Jose Barreras, four twin. He was dealing that game, growing three innings, got nine outs, three hits, five Ks. Great. That's pretty good. 40 pitches look really good. So, and I really understand, but they took him out. Pulled him. Very questionable decision. In the postseason, when you see these pitchers dealing, all you really want to do is a lot of managers will try to get ahead of the curve and use a reliever or someone in relief like she did. But if you have a guy, a top-end ace, especially kind of playing against your old team, you'll have that fire, and he's dealing, I would have left him in. Maybe they were scheduled to have him open and have Kikuchi come in after that, but it just seems like a very questionable decision. I would have let him ride. And then not to mention Vladdy's mistake running the bases slash pickoff move there just a lot of weird uncharacteristic mistakes from the blue jays in the series i mean i agree with the ball to you i think it was they were thinking if there was a game three he would have pitched later into, into the innings but i'm not too sure but i feel like minnesota is they just you know riding this until you know until they can you know they got a good team carlos Correa has always been a good playoff player and with him, I think I think they can go far in the playoffs. Well, I did want to add on with what you said. It was fun weird that even before the thing started, the IMK fishing war was up. Maybe you could say this just flandle. But I'm just a little confused about the fact that if you're on game two, Colby played a game three, Miley Shrek the ball against or I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but then again, I'm not an MLB manager, so I don't get paid to make those decisions. And the thing with John Snyder is, like you look at John Snyder's record around 130s, 111. You definitely said the theme of the Jays' defense all years was they couldn't do the shit. But what about the quote? This season was just the trailer. Next season's going to be the movie. Ever since that quote, the Blue Jays have consistently underperformed. I mean, if you look on the paper, uh, it's Rask. We really don't need to play this team as a fair flag. Looks like it's be the mission. Chris Baltimore's going to go all really That just seems to be the theme with the Blue Jays the last couple of years. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I mean, the Yankees have fallen from dominance in the Red Sox, but now the Rays have bested them and the Orioles, and they just, they always seem to be stuck in the middle of the pack with those really good lineup. So maybe we'll get to see them break through next year, but for now, Think it's go to Cancun. Now on to the NL. The Marlins, I kind of expected to play better than they did. 
I really thought they would have a shot to dethrone the Phillies because of their amazing pitching. And Phillies offense can sometimes run a little bit cold, but they were hot in this series, weren't they? Team postseason magic. With this series, which I've really odd, especially Aaron Noel giving up eight really in total this year, the first two starts. It looked really good. Produce a corny start in a win, you know, three hits, three strikeouts. The thing with this performance that I've ever seen about this season is they don't shred out. So they kind of look at Noel in three Ks through seven. That's the reason you boss them having the bad champion. Elite. Wasn't there in months? They didn't coach one thing. I'm not too sure about that. But there's also Zach Brewer describing their ace for series on a six and two thirds, five hits, eight Ks. Another really good start. And we have most when for the summer, so at the best starting pitching. Yeah, especially in the NL. I mean, a lot of those these teams have had phenomenal starting pitching. You would think the Diamondbacks and the Brewers series had Corbin Carroll, Phillies, and the Marlins. I mean, at this point in the series, I feel like a lot of teams are going to have strong starting pitching, but the Marlins always dominate with their pitching, and the Brewers too, and they had some uncharacteristically bad starts. Also, even bringing it back to the Twins to Blue Jays game, you know, Kevin Gosman let up two home runs to Royce Lewis back to back. We forgot to mention that before, but he had an amazing day against a really, really solid top of the rotation guy. So, even though postseason teams really need to have that success, I didn't anticipate the pitchers choking this hard. And then also with the Phillies, and it seemed like everybody was hitting. It wasn't their trouble. Sure, it was also. Castellanos had a year behind Delaware. Big grand slam by Bryson Stott. Yep, Bryson Stott, baby. And then Alex Brown had a clutch stole toward the end of that game, too, and overall was a win. It was a great series, a very entertaining. You can see the Phillies continue to have their postseason magic. I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, I got no ill will against the Phillies. The only thing that I hate is those dang ticket prices. Those things jump up $700, $800. A game three for the divisional series in Philly costs more than getting a round trip flight to Atlanta, a ticket in a hotel room. That's crazy to me. So you can fly from Philly to Atlanta, get a hotel room, and watch the game for cheaper than watching it in your own home city. I mean, I guess game three is an elimination game, but... That's astronomical prices. I remember the World Series being about that much last year. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, the ticket prices for Phillies are kind of crazy right now, but also it's a it was a sort of cloud. Those fans were hype. I mean, they just they just want to win now. They love baseball. They love their Philly loves their sports. Yeah, and a trick I heard from uh, somebody who attended the Phillies game was he reaches out to the box office because they usually reserve some tickets for family members and et cetera, and they release them a little bit late. So he always reaches out to the box office to see if they have some extra tickets available. So if you're looking to go to a postseason game, that might be your ticket in. Get a face value price and get lucky. But that brings us to the final matchup of the NNF wildcard. Let me tell you, these games were electric. Evan Longoria looked like he turned the clock back 20 years with his defensive performance in game one. Corbin Carroll had a great day. Tell Marte, Brewers pitching core, you know, shaking up a little bit. They still had Corbin Burns, but 
That did not matter to the Diamondbacks on the road. They hit the Brewers. They had, I believe, the best one, team three trail in this postseason, which I know Brandon and Robert was injured. They did have it on three prongs of games. But if you were like two prongs, you were nervous. The thing about it was, I believe the Diamondbacks often so much better than Brewers offense. You can barely see that with their statistics. But if they're rookie for a Carol Fuller set up little runs over BIS, you know, set a double in there. Tell Martin three RBIs, Elmi the show legend. It was just really seeing their pitching quarter. Yeah, I mean, and there were so many batters left on base in game one. Game one is one of those, as a neutral fan, I just wanted a good baseball game, and we got one. Both games are close until the end. The second game wasn't as close, I believe, but it was just a very good showing of baseball. And the Diamondbacks are a very young team in a lot of respects, so... I'm happy that they, you know, came out and dominated. And they're going to have a very good chance of giving the Braves a run for their money. For I mean, the, the so we have two, we have an AL West matchup left and AL East matchup left. So if you look, notice in the AL as well, there's Rangers Orioles. So there's a lot of West representation in these playoffs. Well, the Wade going with a lot of demographic. Horse right in the board. First one you're saying, Little AL East is Central, Philly Braves East, Twins Asher in the Central, and United Sadders West. Let's see kind of for the beneficial, especially the traveling one, the traveling harder. Compared to say the Mets were to fit the Dodgers, the Mets would have to go from New York or the LA or the back to New York. The very little seat in the small teams. But People will get to the little insights on this sex. Anyone sort of saw it? One thing I'd like to add, though, before we advance, the team that has beat the Brewers in every one of the last four postseasons, I believe, has went out to win the World Series. So if you're betting, you might want to put some money on the Diamond X. Just saying, it happens every year. Green, that's a good point, Austin. You know, I'll start off at the Rangers and um, Oreos. I mean, you know, it's in Baltimore. They were one of the worst teams last year, but now, you know, they're now they're one of the most exciting teams to watch. And I think with all the young guys they have and their pitching, they can go far. They can make, like, they can make them, you know, move in the playoffs and just go far. I mean, I feel like the fans of Baltimore, they just, they just love their baseball. And now they're seeing a team that had over 100 wins back in the playoffs against a good Texas Rangers team, I think it's going to be a very good matchup. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of young teams coming out of the woodworks this year. The Orioles, a very young team that looks good. Rangers relied on a lot of young pieces, such as Josh Josh Jung. And another team that didn't quite make the postseason, but they showed a lot more promise than everyone thought they would, was the Cincinnati Reds, with Ellie De La Cruz, Spencer Steer, to name a few, coming up. And Joey Votto, you know, kind of captaining that team. But it's recently come out that Joey Votto has said, I want to play again at least one more year. He added that he wants to play for the Reds, but he would consider playing elsewhere if they want to move on, which is not something I'd expect out of Joey Votto, but I feel like the Reds are going to bring him back. Well, they assumed they said, well, take Claus stole Freddie Freeman's situation. You know, this was fair, but... 
at least go six innings and have that bullpen. I I do think the Braves are going to win this series. I think they just yeah, yeah they just a really talented team and where uh, Matt Olson coming. I I would say coming out of nowhere. How many home runs he has? Don't really come out of nowhere. He but, was a notable slugger, but moving from Oakland to Atlanta really oh, yeah. helped them. Connection in the lineup. Braves all-time franchise RBI leader right now. Over 130 RBIs. 56-plus home runs, I believe. Somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. He's been he's been great. I mean, if it wasn't for his own teammate and Mookie Betts, I'd say he's in the MVP conversation, but so many good players in the NL. Also, I, I love the guy Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy's been a revelation for them. Amazing defense, and the hitting's come around. They really just took every good player from Oakland. <laughs> Imagine if they didn't trade everyone away. We could be talking about them right now. True. So I would actually agree with I would also like to say that I don't believe anyone would trade tomatoes in over 50. I mean, you've been saying that they over 30 at just like a little sub-100 RDI season. Oh, yeah. But... I- this season, I did not expect. I would agree with me say I didn't think he'd have that much. But if we really look at this series, both of your guys' talking points are used to saying Max Freed is also coming back. He had a real simulated game. And you would be getting a 6 hit. They're not really putting any restrictions with them. I'm going to go Braves with 5. I feel like this is going to be a 5 name series. I feel like Spencer Schreier, he could be a little bit needed, but I feel like he'll oh, find another game. Yeah, that one, two, front to the Who is this? Finley Sark. Sarah to Philly star. I don't really know right now. I haven't watched a lot of Philly baseball this year. And when I think Philly, I think their offense, not really their leading pitching. I feel like, I feel like we're going to do it and you're like, ah, of course. But I'm going to go with Braves and five. Braves and five is definitely a good pick. I agree. I think, I think, I agree with Baba. I think it will be in five games, but Braves will take it. So that brings us to the last matchup in the ALDS. Twins versus Astros. Now, do I like the Astros? No. Do I want to see them win? No. I think they're just so much of a better team than the Twins in almost every aspect of their game that if we're going to see a sweep, it's either going to be with Twins Astros or Diamondbacks Dodgers. I think Diamondbacks are too much of a scrappy team to get swept three in a row, but... Man, that Astros team is so scary, and they know what to do in the postseason. They know how to take care of business. So, honestly, I have them running through the Twins in three games. Hey, it's so sad to think about that we get to see the Astros deep in their playoff run when they barely won the division after sitting behind the Mariners and the Rangers, excuse me, all season, but... That's what happens in baseball. I'd love to be talking about the Mariners right now, and hopefully they can end their World Series drought. But instead, we're talking about the Astros going for it again. Astros in three. I think it's going to be Astros in four. Astros in four? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like Minnesota can at least fight. But, you know, Houston, you know, they just have good pitch in there. I mean, can we talk about that rookie pitcher, like right? Hunter Brown? Connor Brown, he hasn't been amazing, but he's definitely he's been solid definitely for them. Solid, yeah. solid four or fives. I mean, I feel like every time the Twins would throw a punch, I feel like the Astros just have the ability to counter punch back even harder. Like, it's like facing Floyd Med- Wade in a boxing match. It's just almost hopeless at that point. 
But I would also like to many other minds. I would love to say also the Astros also can go like eight, four games. I still the twins are definitely not gonna have that knock on wood. I don't want my Canadian you too, eh? But Astros and Ford as fit as a March parents. But we're gonna go in the last game in the NLDS, the Tim and Diamondbacks and Dodgers. I'm excited for this one too. Both NL series look really good because it's teams that have fought, that have played each other all year, gone back and forth, and the D-backs are coming off a really good performance. So I'm really excited to see what they have to bring to the Dodgers. I mean, hopefully they save Zach Gallen for when he's home because he pitches much better in Arizona. But, boy, I'm so excited for this matchup. The speed that Arizona brings to that wide... Dodger Stadium. I'm just very excited to watch that matchup. And I love me some West Coast baseball. There's nothing better than watching some baseball late at night, doing some work, and just having it on in the background. Great feeling. But my prediction is Corbin Carroll is going to win MVP, but the Dodgers will wind up winning the series. I feel like it's going to be a big team effort from the Dodgers, and the D-backs might only have like one or two guys go off, but that one I got going to five games. I think the Dodgers win it at home is five, and that's going to be some good baseball to watch. I think it's going to be an upset. I think the D-backs are going to beat the Dodgers, but it will go to five games. I... So we're going to hear that. I feel the Dodgers picking. Pitching is yes, a free and I don't know if just pitching has definitely taken a hit with Julio Urias and his issues off the field, not being able to pitch and, you know, Clayton Kershaw getting older. He's still dominant, but you never really know what you can expect out of him. And, you know, the Dodgers pitching is not vulnerable, but it's more vulnerable than vulnerable than it has been in the past. So I really think that if the D-backs have a chance to strike, they couldn't do it, but I don't see them getting past that whole team. Yeah, yeah I feel like it's going to be Diamondbacks. Just surely that pitching is going to do a little bit better than the Dodgers. So, yeah. Moving on from baseball, I want to talk about some football. And not NFL football. USFL and XFL announced their intent to merge together. I think this is a brilliant idea for both leagues. I've been pounding the table for this for a long time because now you're able to really get more competitiveness. You almost see AFC and NFC being the USFL and XFL. They can come together for a big bowl game possibly. And the XFL is pulled, you know, they're very good at marketing, very good at getting players. Same with the USFL. They have a lot of high-quality players as well. So I think this is going to be very good for them. So they put out about a wish and say, let's say, subject questionnaire for approvals and transactions and simulated. The new league was that was best class operations on the most recent leagues. This historic combination for a rules free football with sustainable abilities and resources and should future growth. They continue to as only the collective players, coaches, and staff from them together. I personally like this idea because I feel like there's two different leagues in the spring that's just going to hurt themselves even more, especially that they had trouble with products, quality of products, 
with a lot of misplaced. Of course, they're not going to be the NFL, the falling of players in the NFL. But if you combine the uh, college guys who could have made it to the draft, the college guys that are good enough, they put them in one league, it wouldn't just separate for two leagues and split. You've had the best of ways and best of availability at that as that one. I mean, and it's not like these players are without talent. You see guys like Cavante Turpin go to the Cowboys and make a huge difference there. You know, getting Pro Bowl votes, looking good at running back even this year. So I'm really excited. And this can be the next step into almost having a developmental league partnership with the NFL, which I've wanted to see for years. You know, a lot of these NFL teams have rookies or guys that may not excel. And I really like the MLB model of having those minor leagues where you can have players develop. And while NFL careers are a lot shorter, this is really going to offer teams the opportunity to develop a lot of these players more, you know, if NFL was to become a part of this. So I would love to see that happen. You know, it's just... It's just a good thing for the sport of football. And the more football, the better it is. I agree with you. I I think, you know, the Bach, he still owns the XFL, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a big thing. Right? I mean, his, why I saw was, I mean, he didn't get drafted in NFL, but he, he knows how plays are going through and he played college football. I feel like he can, and I think combining them helps everyone out. So, with the XFL, it was very owned by WWE guys. It was, they had a little early team that was just saying people loved it, but a lot of our concerns was, again, quality of the players and the slowest team, a lot of injuries. They ended around in 2000s, came back before COVID, COVID happened, destroyed everything, a lot of concepts just couldn't be at the moment. But it's been given to what they said, The Rock, along with his ex-wife. And also, I mean, USFL, which is owned by the Fast Corporation, and them each having a play. So, at host cities, and USFL was sent around Birmingham. What we're seeing is at least something by the we don't know if there's going to be 16 or not, or maybe eight, but what they said with their statement was we know further information being provided. Since it was in all the states, and this really makes from our later day. So, who we had on the XF news, believe a lot of people could be excited to the NFL The US NFL, whatever he's going to be, pick right up for all figures. Exactly. But moving on to some other football, the last topic or last, one of the last topics of the day is today, actually, Chase Claypool got traded. Last year, the Bears were looking for some offensive help and wound up playing, paying, or getting Chase Claypool for a th- the 32nd overall pick, which was their first second-round pick. That pick eventually became Joey Porter Jr., cornerback out of Penn State University, and the Bears just flipped him today and a seventh-round pick for a sixth-round pick. But he hasn't played the last two games. The Bears' offense has looked much better, so you almost look at this as adding by subtraction. They got rid of Chase Claypool, sent him to the Miami Dolphins, and wiped their hands clean of it. Yeah, you took a loss, but 
the team looks good right now. You don't want that kind of cancer around the team. And with all the Bears drama this year, I think they're just trying to put their head down and play some football. I mean, also with the Bears, as you know, you were in a legacy issue area and having three touchdowns over 200 yards, seven receptions. Just a few of those looks too. Well, matter of fact, they also went for a movie. Rooney. And my dynasty team is not happy that he had four targets and no catches last night. And I mean, you got that deep into if we're not going to this over us too much, but just as he'll had around 270 yards passing, he's even more of us 230 almost. So I mean, I don't, yeah, it's also more to your death, but it's someone's being a toxic to the team. It's just kind of like a business same way where you get rid of a toxic toxic. I mean, whenever Justin Fields targets DJ Moore this season, he has a perfect passer rating. And that's very incredible, especially from where Justin Fields has come from to where he is now. Granted, it's only been two games. I'd like to see this improvement continue. But I think it's looking up for the future. I mean, I feel like, you know, after the game he had against the Devil Broncos and this game, he just had against Washington. And maybe we're going to see a turnaround from Tristan Fields. Yeah. But, I mean, if you even look at my head, you have yeah. Tyreek Hill, seven. You know, Tyreek started on pace for over 3,000 yards. You have some uh, top 10 pick. Also, a really good season, but very fast. I mean, the first super, I mean, Robin Chosen. Robbie Chosen, Braxton Berrios. And I mean... You wonder if this trade will, if will Chase Claypool bring down that offense or will he bring it up? Because he's a fast, big wide receiver. And if Mike McDaniel's able to utilize him well, well, look out. But then again, you don't know how he's going to respond. And the last topic I wanted to touch on today, very briefly, because you've heard about it forever, is the Swiss Kelsey relationship. But I'd like to talk about it from more of a business perspective. You know, the NFL sees the Taylor Swift fans as an untapped market that they've been trying to get into for years. You know, very little overlap between the NFL and her fans love her so much. You know, almost they're covering this almost as much as ESPN covers LeBron, really trying to market this so much. And they realize that the Swifties will buy a lot of the tickets and a lot of the merch for Kelsey. His jersey sale went up 400%. So... You know, a lot of NFL fans are getting mad, but the NFL realizes that NFL fans don't care because they'll ultimately watch the game. So they're trying to pander to these new fans to create a lot more revenue, which is smart in a business sense. Yeah, it annoys some people, but you're getting so much of a larger fan base in return that they're going to be able to keep doing this for a long time coming. But now, we have to a band standpoint, all three of us being college football fans, we really don't care about Taylor Swift's. They're going to be Travis Tosi, but really, I don't know if people care. And the score of Leach Report, BSE, give me some other Fox Sports, CBS, pure Taylor Swifts. I mean, listen, I love Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey. I listen to New Heights almost every week when I can. Great podcast. You should go listen to them. But, you know, even Travis is like, yeah, they're blowing this a little bit out of proportion. Like, come on, guys. You know, from a business perspective, it makes sense. But, you know, I think every NFL fan is starting to get sick of this at this point, especially after the shenanigans last week on Sunday Night Football. And now everyone thinks it's ringed for the Chiefs. So there's a lot of drama there. 
I mean, I agree. I I think we can, you know, look back at, you know, I was in New York at MetLife Stadium against, you know, the New York Chats. And did did anyone even know that Ryan Reynolds was was at the game? Oh, I knew Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman was at the game as well. I I mean, to me, I like, you know, I like that. The only reason I knew was because in context, yep. somebody said, you know, they're only promoting Taylor Swift at the game. We also thought you should know that they are here as well. Well, I did see Roy Reynolds on the podcast. I mean, the Guadalajara guy, Lee Roy Reynolds, that's our Taylor Swift for guys. <laughs> Seeing that, I was like, oh, Roy Reynolds is in too. Look at that. Hasbro Golden's wife is also Taylor Swift. They had a little... What a hundred stars who I interpret. But yeah, I mean, listen, it's not going away anytime soon. So hopefully the NFL dials back a little bit on it and we learn to deal with it. This has been another episode of the Dragon's Den podcast with Robert Jones, Vincent Matarese, and myself, Austin Matra. We hope to see you next time. Take care.